Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hello, welcome to From Ha-Has to Ahas with Sybil Wilkes and Stephen Hill. Unfortunately, Stephen Hill is not with us today as we check in and check up for our health in partnership with the American Heart Association. But we are partnering also with the American Stroke Association. And uh, as we are observing men's health today, we're talking about strokes in men. My co-host today is comedian extraordinaire, TV and radio host, Chris Paul. And our guest is Dr. Carolyn Brockington, uh, the a very informative as well as impressive director of the Stroke Center at Mount Sinai West and Mount Sinai Morningside in New York City. And uh, we are having this conversation with a man who knows a thing or two about strokes. One in six men will have a stroke. That's the that's the reality of what we're talking about. Anyone can have a stroke at any time. And they uh, say, doctor, that that includes children. Those who have had a stroke often must work against physical, emotional, and cognitive changes to move forward. And of course, Black Americans, we're number one. Uh, we have the highest prevalence of stroke and the highest death rate from stroke than any other racial group. Overall, stroke is the number five killer in the U.S. and the leading cause of the serious long-term disabilities. And the good news is the large majority of strokes are preventable and treatable. The American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, a division of AHA, provides tools and resources to help uh, treat and overcome stroke. So, as I mentioned, he is a man who knows a thing or two about a stroke. Welcome, Chris Paul. And please tell us your story, Chris. Hey, Sybil. Um, first of all, I, I realize now how I like knew nothing about strokes before I had one of my own. Like I, to me, it just felt like something that happened to old people. Mm -hmm. You know, like elderly people have strokes, not not people in their prime like I was back in 2018. But sure enough, it was just a it was just a regular day. There was nothing special about it. I woke up. I took a shower. I came downstairs, and then I went to the kitchen, and my son. One of my sons, who was still living here at the time, he started talking to me about something on Netflix, a Dave Chappelle special. And I heard him say it, but I didn't understand what he was saying. Mm. And I'm staring at him, and I said, what? And he, I, he said it again. And I just stared at him. And he thinks I'm just being funny. I'm being goofy. And I figure, I figure I just need something to eat. I'm, you know, I must be just yeah. hungry or something. So I put, I put some bread in the toaster, and then I stared at the toaster like I was watching cable TV. I just stood there staring at the toaster. It popped up and I did nothing. I just looked at the toast and then I walked away from it, went and sat at my desk, and then I called my daughter downstairs and said, look at me right now. How do I look to you? Wow. Does something look wrong? She said, no, you look fine. I said, okay. And you know, another thing that's amazing to me is I have, you know how especially men are when it comes to medical issues. Mm -hmm. We just we just decide to go lay down or something. Right, you know, right. Gonna, have a ginger ale. You or said something. that. You said that. <laughs> right, right. But I don't know. My my wife had gone to Walmart. I found out, and I don't know what made me. Why well, I, I tried to text her, and I thought something was wrong with my iPhone because I know what I'm texting her, but it's all just gibberish. I mean, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, every time I type an A, uh, a B shows up, or it's just it. I could not type the words properly. Mm. I I, and I do not know what made me call. I mean, I am, I am to this day, 
I'm not the type of person who goes to the hospital every time I feel some kind of discomfort or anything. I am the type to go lay down and just take a nap or something. But something made me call her and I told her, I'm not feeling well right now. She rushed home. I got in the car and then I started screaming that I I forgot what it was. Something like, "I, I need my sandwich. And she said, what? I was trying to say I need my wallet. Because I wow. figured, because I figured, I need to check in the hospital. I probably should have some ID. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't say wallet. I kept mm. shouting for other things. Right. Anyway, we get to the hospital, and what? Then this is terrible. Also, when I got to the hospital, nobody even saw me right away. I, I went, I went and tried to check in with my wife, and again, I'm messing up every question they ask me. Mm-hmm. And nobody there said, "Hey, this is suspicious. something's wrong here." They had mm-hmm. me go sit down for 15 minutes. And then when they finally got me into the back and started asking me questions like who's the president and stuff, of course, I flunked every answer on the test. <laughs> That's not like you either. <laughs> then they all started to panic. Mm. And then I remember I'm telling my wife, please tell them that I'm smart. Oh. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I mean, it was terrible. I was losing it. I'm like, please tell oh. them that I'm that I'm like, regardless of what happens to me. Let them know that I'm better than this. Oh, so oh, Chris. They ran and they ran and got some stuff and they were gonna take me back to get some tests. But the crazy thing is 15 minutes later, it was all back. I my mind was right again in 15 minutes. Wow. Then they did the they had the testing and the scans and everything, and they were like, You had a stroke. And that was so shocking. Again, I had a I can't have a stroke. Right. First of all, I gotta I gotta do Tom's show in the morning. <laughs> I'm on Tom Joyner. I can't have strokes. Right, right. We got no place for this. I yeah. mean that, that was never it's even it's not in our schedule. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So yeah. as, as crazy as everything that I just described, as bad as I was feeling and weird as I was feeling and mentally out of it, mm-hmm. I never thought it was possible. And then they when they said that word stroke, and it showed me where on my brain it hit. I was I was just a mess. I, I was just freaked out. So, Chris, uh, let's bring Dr. Brockington into this. And and Doctor, having heard Chris's story, does it sound unusual? Does it sound like a lot of stories you've heard uh, uh, or cases no, that you've worked on? Yeah, that's the thing. It's not atypical, and I think there's a lot of things that he highlighted in his story that's important for everybody to know. I think the first thing is one of the myths of stroke, right? People think, oh, that only happens when you get old. I'm not old now, I don't have to worry about it, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not true, because if we really understand what a stroke is, a stroke means an injury to the brain that results from not enough blood flow getting there during a certain period of time. So everybody has blood flow to the brain or should have blood flow to the <laughs> brain. So if there's any way that that's interrupted, it can happen when we're younger, it can happen when we're older. So it's not true that only older people get strokes. The incidence, meaning the number of strokes increases as we get older, mm-hmm. but not doesn't mean that we're protected because we're young. So that's number one. Number two is that it's important to understand that strokes happen suddenly, right? So all of a sudden the brain doesn't get enough blood flow. It's almost like turning off the light switch. Mm-hmm. So what he describes is really that he was having what we call a language problem. You've heard this word aphasia, which means a language dysfunction. So what was happening was not enough blood. You're right-handed, is that correct? Yes. 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 Okay. So you know how the brain works, right? Left side of the brain takes care of right side of the body. 
right side of the brain takes care of the left side of the body. So it's crisscross. So if not enough blood flow is getting to the left side of the brain, somebody might have problems with language. But what he was showing was that difficulty in understanding things we know very well, right? He's put mm -hmm. toast in the toaster before. He knows how to talk to people. Well, he's he a man. I'm not sure how often well, he puts toast <laughs> in the toaster. Right. But at least he knows how to burn the toast. Right. right. <laughs> okay. The whole point is that the things that we take for granted that we know how to do very easy things, he was having trouble because if you don't have language, what are the steps in order to get that done? Mm -hmm. And so that's why there was a sense of not knowing how to do it, but at the same time realizing something's wrong, right? And the important thing is that for any health concern, but stroke being one of them, we all know that little small voice that says to us, hey, this isn't quite right. It's not because I'm hungry. It's not because I didn't sleep well. It's not because of other things. Something is happening. And thankfully, he was able to call his wife, et cetera. The sad part is that he did go to the emergency room and he wasn't taken in right away. So I will tell everybody, all of the viewers, and I hope they tell their family and friends, if you think that you're having a problem, you have to go to the emergency room and say, I think I'm having a stroke, right? Because stroke is considered an emergency. Hmm. We know that if the brain doesn't get enough blood flow, every, mo every minute, every 60 seconds that goes by, 1.9 million brain cells die, right? Mm. And that's a lot of brain cells. So we say with stroke, time is brain. What we mean by that is that every moment that goes by that the brain's not getting enough blood flow, the brain can be irreversibly injured. So we want people to identify they're having a stroke, go to the emergency room right away and say, I'm having a stroke. The most important thing is to call 911 and be taken because you're then taken to the closest hospital that has a stroke center with a team that's dedicated to be able to take care of strokes in an effective way. And doctor, let me, say this. Let, me say, sorry, this also yeah. real, uh -huh. let me say this real quick, but I guess that everybody has to learn, not just for yourself, but you have to learn to recognize the signs. Because again, my wife, you don't know my wife, but I'm gonna tell you this, if she didn't even, th if she didn't even <laughs> thought there was a possibility I was having a stroke, she would have gone off in there. She wouldn't have let somebody right. tell, tell right, me right. to go sit down. Right. I don't think she thought it was a possibility. Mm -hmm. So I guess but everybody the, needs to know the signs. Right, exactly. And I think a lot of people are always looking for someone's paralyzed on one side or mm -hmm. et cetera. But they're, depending on the part of the brain that's affected, there can be different symptoms. So we say that we want people to act fast. Mm -hmm. Think of the word F-A-S-T, right? So it shows a lot of different symptoms that you can have from stroke. So if you think of face, you look at someone's face, you ask them to smile. If their smile is suddenly crooked, and that happens suddenly, they may be having a stroke. They should go to the emergency room right away. A is for arms or legs, right? You ask them to hold out their arms. If one side keeps dropping and they have difficulty keeping it up, they might be having a stroke. They need to call 911. S is for speech, not only speech in the way I'm talking. So if suddenly I'm talking or I can't, you can't understand what I'm saying, or the words I'm saying are wrong, or I'm not understanding what you're saying, or what you were talking about, you can't Your type, sandwich. Right? Right, right, exactly. Or you're miss uh, one word for another. That's a language problem, right? That's a speech problem. And you know that if that happens right away, that may be the brain. But if you and look at me, you, you, if you look at me, you see I may have been asking for a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is possible that I yeah. really was. Right. So was we, won't we won't use you for an example. Everybody else, not just you. Okay. And then T is for time. We said before that time is brain, right? So we want people to call 911 right away. You know, in this age and time, everybody looks up their symptoms. They're looking on Google. They're calling a friend. 
you know, you don't have time when it's the brain that's involved. So really just call 911. If you're wrong, you're wrong. Right. But if you're right, then you really are trying to save your brain and significant injury uh, that could be permanent. So it's very important. Act fast. Think F-A-S-T um, in terms of some of the symptoms that we see from stroke. But from your story, it was the fact that suddenly you had problems with language. Suddenly you had problems with knowing how to do things you knew very well. And that's not normal, right? So that has to be evaluated quickly. Yes. We're talking to Dr. Carolyn Brockington. She is a director at the Stroke Center at Mount Sinai West and Mount Sinai Morningside in New York City, caring for patients in the emergency room, outpatient and hospital setting. And one of her clinical interests is the treatment and prevention of stroke in minority communities. And our guest also today, our guest host is my friend, Chris Paul. He is a man of words. He is a man of humor, of comedy and a great talent. And so uh, as he was explaining what happened to us, uh, what happened to him, doctor, it was, it was quite obvious that, you know, we, we don't want to mess up Chris's moneymaker as we like to call it, but that was what was affected. That's how right. he knew because he's so quick. He, you know, he's so, uh, just so, so quick on his feet and his mind and everything that he knew, um, even in his state that he was not, in, in a right physical state. And, and the answer might've been to go lay down for him normally, but he knew that he needed to take action in this. Thankfully, and because it could have been a lot worse, meaning that you don't know how bad a stroke is gonna be at the beginning, right? So it's not something that you say, oh, that'll get better. Let me just lie down, et cetera. Mm -hmm. That's the wrong answer, right? You've got to go into the emergency room right away because if I'm telling you that stroke means it can cause a permanent injury to the brain, and the brain is the one organ in our body that doesn't grow back. You cut your skin, mm. your skin grows back, right? But you injure the brain, it doesn't. How do people recover after stroke is that it's not that that part of the brain grows back if this is the part of the brain that's the stroke. It's the normal brain that surrounds the injured area that tries to make new connections to do what this part of the brain used to do. So I haven't seen his brain scan, but I would suspect that the stroke was not very large it was contained and it was the rest of the brain that was able to take over the function. But he didn't know that at the beginning, right? So you have to be able to um, go to the hospital right away so that we can do the appropriate thing. We haven't mentioned it, but I'm sorry. If stroke means that not enough blood is getting to the brain, if someone comes in right away, sometimes we can give very strong blood thinners mm -hmm. to improve blood flow back to the brain to limit any disability somebody might have. Also, sometimes we take pictures of blood vessels and we see that the blood vessel is clogged with a blood clot, et cetera. We can go into those blood vessels and take the clot out. But all those therapies are very time dependent within mm -hmm. hours of the symptoms happening. So you can't wait. You have to come in right away in order to be evaluated appropriately to see what treatment is uh, uh, appropriate and uh, for you in order to reduce the risk of any uh, long lasting uh, symptoms from stroke. I'm sorry. What's, you were so, what's so interesting to me right now, Sybil, is that I I had countless specialists working with me. I was admitted to all the way from out here in Loudoun County in Virginia. I went into Georgetown University Hospital. And Dr. Brockington has just explained my situation to me better than any single person that talked to me, wow. any doctor. Any doctor, the every, like when she was telling the whole thing about the left brain, right brain function, and she said, oh, you right hand, all that stuff is blowing my mind because nobody explained what happened to me like she just did. Wow. But you we, need every, to come to New York. Everybody <laughs> needs a Dr. Brockington. Right. right. I mean, I'm talking about I'm, I'm learning so much about something that happened to me four years ago, right now at this moment. 
Doctor, let me ask you this. You also talked about fast, but how quickly one gets help. Uh, if if we don't have a wonderful partner like Rachel uh, to get uh, you know to get us to the hospital, um, would it behoove us to call nine one one so that they can come and evaluate us and warn the hospital in advance so that we don't absolutely. have that sit around time that Chris had? Yes, absolutely. Because as we said, stroke is an emergency, right? And in every uh, city in the country, when you call EMS and someone says they're having a stroke or they're thinking because you can't speak to them very well over the phone that you're having a stroke, they can interpret that as you're having a stroke, right? And they will come and get you and take you to the closest hospital that has a stroke center. And the reason why that's key is because of all the things that I told you that we have mm -hmm. to do. We have to test you. We have to take a picture of the brain. We have to do blood tests, et cetera, in a very short period of time. So it's important that EMS know about it. They can pre-notify the hospital, meaning that they can call ahead and say, we're bringing in a suspected stroke patient so that things can sort of get ready as you're coming in. So 911 is important here. It's not important to Google or call a friend, et cetera. Call 911 immediately so you can get the appropriate treatment right away and reduce any chance that you have a significant and permanent disability. Right. You know, so many people don't want to make that call to 911. It's like that's right. too that's making too much of, out of this. That's too big right. a deal. And all I am is just feeling a little weird right now. Right. But the thing is, is that you were feeling more than weird. You were feeling that there was a language problem as well as inability to do something that you knew very well. So I know that deep inside you said that you felt that something was wrong. And you have to listen to the small voice, particularly mm -hmm. when we're talking about the brain, because as I say, if you're wrong, you're wrong, big deal. But if you're right, you've made the right decision to really improve your life long lasting, right? Not having any permanent deficits, et cetera. So right. it's very important to listen to that inner small voice and say something's wrong and go to the hospital right away. As we I are mean, talking, that's what we're there for, right? That's exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's right. And 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 everybody needs to go find Dr. Brockington, by the way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Doctor, as, as we're talking about uh, stroke awareness, and Chris is giving us his story and, and, and compelling and emotional and and all that that he's giving us, um, let's remind people once again what a stroke is and what its stroke does. Um, right. and Because I, I don't think we can we can establish that enough because we oh, oh, he had a stroke, but what does that mean? What does it look like in, in, in a number of different cases, perhaps? Sure. So again, a stroke means that not enough blood is getting to the brain in a period of time, right? So that's not a heart attack. A heart attack is when not enough blood is getting to the heart and you might have chest pain, Etc. We're talking about the brain, not enough blood is getting to the brain. So depending on where in the brain, we talked about that the left side of the brain is responsible for right body symptoms. Mm -hmm. Right side of the brain is responsible for left sided symptoms. Uh, so that if maybe not enough blood's going to the right side of the brain, maybe someone has weakness on the left side of their face, maybe their arm droops, maybe their leg droops, etc. So the important thing is to know that the symptoms happen suddenly. It's gonna be over seconds to minutes. It's not gonna be days and weeks and months. Again, it's almost like a light switch, the brain not getting enough blood flow. And the reason why you develop symptoms is because that part of the brain is starting to die, right? That part mm. of the brain is not getting the nutrients that it needs. So as that's happening, you develop symptoms. And the reason to come into the hospital so fast is that if we can reestablish blood flow, in a very fast period of time, we can limit the degree of brain that's injured and hopefully limit any permanent problems that you might have. And so uh, that's why it's so time dependent going in. 
And so a stroke essentially leaves a scar on the brain, right? A scar where that part of the brain isn't going to work very more. I think one of the important things also to mention is what he said is that, you know, people don't want to think, oh my God, I'm having a stroke. You mm -hmm. know, that's the last thing anybody wants to hear that they're having. But I think the important thing is, number one, if you look at him, nobody would know he had a stroke. Right? right. And I know that a lot of your viewers probably know people who've had strokes and they don't even know it. And the reason is, is because they're back to normal. They're living their lives. They're doing well, et cetera. And many people don't say I had a stroke because some people feel as if that might make people think differently about them. I will I say this about stroke is that it causes an injury to the brain, but that doesn't mean it changes you, right? Mm -hmm. I have a scar in my hand, but that doesn't change who I am as a person, right? So you have to think of it in a different way. It's an injury to the brain from not enough blood flow, but that doesn't mean that it could, it has the potential of causing uh, serious complications, but many people have strokes and recover very well. So although it's a scary prospect, mm -hmm. there's so much that we can do to prevent permanent deficits that it's important that people understand to go to the emergency room right away. I can't say it enough because that's where we have all the tools. That's where we have all the doctors and nurses and all the healthcare professionals that can recognize it, treat it appropriately, and also figure out why, because we haven't discussed, but there are many different reasons why people have strokes. And it's important to identify what the reason is to reduce the chance of it happening again. Let me so ask you this, all those Dr. Things Brock, are let me yes. ask this, Dr. Brockton. So what is, what is happening in cases where a stroke is fatal? Like what is a, when we hear of a massive stroke, is it just because so much time went by without getting treatment or is there such thing as a massive Levels stroke that's, of, that's like immediate, right. like that's it? Well, it can be two different things, right? Strokes sort of come in two different flavors. Hmm. The majority of the strokes are called ischemic. Ischemic or ischemia means a reduction of blood flow. Right, so that means maybe one of the blood vessels is clogged, not enough blood gets to the brain, a blood clot goes to the brain, et cetera. So that happens the majority of the time, 80% of the time. But 20% of the time is a type of stroke we call hemorrhagic. Hemorrhage means bleeding, right, essentially, so that the blood vessel ruptures and blood spills into the brain. So now all this blood flow is sort of uh, uh, going into the brain and that can be fatal very quickly, depending on how much blood flow, et cetera. But strokes can be fatal depending on the size, right? If it's a very large part of the brain, because the brain responds to injury just like anything else. I hit my hand, my hand hurts, but later my hand swells. The brain does the same thing, right? But it can't swell too much because it's in the bone, it's in the skull. So if someone has a large volume stroke, meaning a large part of the brain that's injured, and then it starts to swell, that can cause significant uh, um, problems, including death. So it depends on a lot of different things. The type of stroke, whether people have had strokes before, uh, whether there's a lot of swelling. So um, it's difficult to say exactly, but there are a lot of different types of strokes that can cause problems. And and so we often talk about the disparities in, in healthcare, and especially in black and brown communities. Do you find that in your, in your practice or, or how patients eventually find their way to you, that they've experienced some sort of disparity or discrepancy in the treatment that they receive uh, as, as a black man who comes in for this as opposed to uh, a, a someone of the uh, Caucasian persuasion? Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, I think number one, there's a thought even with the medical community sometimes that if someone's coming in young and they look healthy, could they mm -hmm. be having a stroke, right? Mm -hmm. So I think there's ages, ageism sort of associated with that as well. So someone coming in 
they may not think that they're having a stroke, but when in fact they really are. So I think that's number one in terms of what we see. But yes, I mean, unfortunately, there is health disparity in all different divisions of uh, the medicine and medical care and stroke being one of them. And so you mentioned, which is a sobering statistic, but that the incidence of stroke in the African-American community, as well as mortality, right, mm -hmm. death rate, secondary to stroke is very, very high. And we say that the cause is likely what we call multifactorial, not one specific region, right? But many different reasons that bring that uh, to be. One of them has to do with the prevalence of what we think are the conditions, the medical conditions that bring about stroke. So, you know, the number one risk factor for stroke is high blood pressure, right? Or hypertension, also heart disease. And so mm -hmm. if someone has high blood pressure, many times they feel fine, right? And they think, oh, you know, I have high blood pressure, but I don't have to treat it. You have to think of what's happening inside your body. Constantly, the blood vessels are being beaten over and over and over again because your blood pressure is very high and it doesn't cause symptoms until it causes symptoms. Right? <laughs> so if you feel as if, oh, I have blood pressure problems, but I feel fine, you don't know what's happening in your body. So it could be causing problems with your brain, could be causing problems with your heart. And many times when I see people in the outpatient setting, that their doctors feel are at risk for stroke, and I take a picture of their brain, I see changes from the brain being exposed to very high blood pressure for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. So the thing that people should understand is if they have high blood pressure, the best thing they can do is treat it, right? And that means not just medicine, but lifestyle changes, right? So making sure that they're getting enough activity daily so that we're not sitting and using our thumb as the remote control mm -hmm. all day. That's your exercise, up, right? <laughs> and getting out in addition to diet, right? You know, we all like things that we know are not great for us, but we have to try to pick healthier choices when we can. Um, and then some people need medication in order to control their blood pressure. But getting back to your question, the prevalence of what we know as risk factors for stroke. So high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, heart disease, smoking, uh, all those things contribute to the risk of stroke. And we see those diseases or those conditions, uh, but incidence is high. The number is high in the African-American community. So certainly stroke goes along with that. Chris, does any of that apply to you? access to care. Oh. I don't smoke. Also, like I said, when we started, um, when we started this today, I was talking about how I just, I just felt that strokes were something that happened to the elderly people. But mm -hmm. since my stroke, I mean, I'm honestly blown away by how many people I know that have had a stroke or have had a stroke since my stroke. Right. I mean, it's unbelievable. You said one in six. It feels like it's higher than that. I mean, when right. I was when I was at home recovering, my phone is blowing up with all these different comedians and people in show business checking on me and they're telling me, yeah, I had a stroke in, uh, you know, four years. And I'm like, really? Yeah, and and I think everyone would be surprised if they started to ask their friends and family, they would be surprised at the number because, again, a lot of people don't uh, volunteer that information, right? Mm -hmm. And they look fine. Mm -hmm. So people think, oh, you know, stroke, maybe they're in the corner, they can't move, they're in a wheelchair, et cetera. But these are people that you know at your work and your neighbors uh, on the street, et cetera, and they're walking around well, which means that they recovered well. But the important thing is also to know that people can recover after stroke. I don't want people to feel as if, oh, if you have a stroke, that's it. That's not it, right? You get back to your life. You can do certain things, but you have to empower yourself to take care of your health. 
Health is not promised to us. We have to do things in order to maintain our health. So if someone tells you you have high blood pressure, then it is on you to make sure that you do the things to try to lower it, to try to control it. The same with diabetes, the same with high cholesterol, heart disease, et cetera. So it really is time to partner with your doctor, right? Get a doctor that's going to listen to you and listen to what your symptoms are. Some people have medicines or take medicines and they feel like they get symptoms from that and then they just stop the medicine. Mm. That would be the time not to stop the medicine, <laughs> but say to the doctor, listen, this medicine I think is not working for me. What else can we use? What else can we try to- The to partnership. So, right, right. The partnership is key because it's a, not a one-way street, but a two-way street, right? There should be a conversation about, this is what we think is appropriate, but is it appropriate for you? and to find out yes or no. And so sometimes it's a little bit of trial and error, but again, it's important to have that conversation. And it's important, as I say, to empower yourself to make sure that your health is the best it can be. And I know everybody's health is is personal and their own private business, but I feel like, I, I feel like this now since my stroke, of course, but I feel like in the black community, black men have to be more willing to have conversations with each other about strokes, you know, about about uh, health problems they've had or whatever, just because you're enlightening someone else, you know, mm -hmm. like all all the people who called me after <laughs> I had my stroke to say they had a stroke, I never knew they had a stroke. If anybody mm -hmm. and, I, and I had talked to them several times before that, I mean, sure. just just me sharing my story with someone may make them recognize those signs when it happens to them. But I had no, I had nothing to go by because no one had ever spoke to me about anything regarding a stroke in my entire life. Did you have any of those pre-existing conditions, Chris, in terms of uh, yeah, I did. I hypertension? Did. I did. Mm -hmm. And okay, all right. Mm -hmm. So, and and did your doctor talk to you about like like Dr. Brockington is talking to you about how these things can lead to this, or was no, that I, ever? I mean, I never heard. Like you said, you just learned more from her. Stroke, <laughs> stroke was not a. I mean, it, regardless of what health issues I was dealing with, it never was going to lead up to a stroke. Mm -hmm. I never heard that. I never heard that. I mean, again, I just didn't think it was something. I thought it was something that happened to elderly people. And when it happens, you can't move half of your body for the rest of your life. I mean, just, just that's all I knew. And I don't even know where I heard that. Yeah. I don't even know where I heard that, but I didn't hear Nobody was uh, spitting facts at me. <laughs> yeah. and, you know? and 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 I think that's the the mark of a, of a great physician uh, and, and one who can not only can detect what the problem is and, and diagnose, but also can have that conversation with you that that is so vitally necessary for you to keep going. Right. right. So I mean, it, it really comes right? down to communication. And what you were yeah. saying is so true that it's not only important for you to tell your story, but then friends of yours to tell their story, et cetera, yeah. because Number one, that takes away the myth of stroke, right? So then people don't think, oh my God, you know, you have a stroke. And I'm too young for this. Right? Or, yeah. Because they see and they see that you're doing well, but also that what did you learn from that? And now what are you going to do to try to improve your health going down the line? So it's not just you have a stroke and that's it. And yay, I feel better. It is what am I going to do now for my whole life in order to reduce the risk of this happening again? Because we know that with any medical condition, if someone has a heart attack, their risk of having another heart attack is higher, right, than the rest of the population because they already had that. If someone had a stroke, their risk of having another stroke is higher than the population. So that's why it's important to identify what were the risk factors, mm -hmm. modify them, control them appropriately to reduce your risk substantially. Nobody can reduce their risk to zero, but you can reduce your, your risk so that you wouldn't have to worry about a stroke in the future, et cetera. So I think those are the key things to talk about. And also, how do we get men to 
stop ignoring their bodies. Like we we just we just ignore well, you. You, 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 talk, you talk you talk about heart problems. How many brothers how many brothers aren't here anymore because they felt a little chest discomfort and just say you know uh, it's it can't, it's nothing it's no big deal. Right. I'm going to I'm going to work anyway. You know I mean I don't know what it is about being. We a talk man. about that through the American Heart Association all the time, doctor, and 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 certainly um, you know women uh, for the most part we are are more concerned about uh, the the working. <laughs> parts of our body as opposed to men and uh, the conversation we don't have as difficult a time. Uh, I found in my generation that my mother and my grandmother's generations had in talking about some of these things. And, and perhaps, Chris, we talk about where these conversations can be had that make men comfortable. You know, we're talking once again about maybe it's the barbershop, maybe right. it's, you know, someplace else for, for you to have that conversation with others. I mean, like I said yeah. a, few, a little while ago, uh, of everything involved in my stroke, the most shocking thing to me is that I called for help. <laughs> I mean, I, and I'm, I'm serious. To, to, this, to this day, when I tell people the story, what blows my mind, what, what the craziest thing about everything is that I actually called my wife and said, I think I need to go to the hospital. Yeah, That, that just but, is so unlike me. Well, also the fact that you called your daughter and said, do I look strange? Do, do, mm. do I look okay? That mm. was, those were other things, right? Right, that's that's right. so unlike me. I, mean, I don't I don't know right. what made me that's what everybody has to again listen to because there was something telling you there was something wrong. This wasn't that you didn't eat. This wasn't that you just got up. This wasn't it was something wrong. And so you realized that on whatever level and was reaching out to see what can I do about it. And so I think that's important. And going back to, you know, what can we do about men? That's a big question. But what can we do about men sort of having this conversation? I think it happens with your friends. It happens with your colleagues. It happens with saying it's okay to discuss these things because, you know, health issues can be scary, but to understand that there are things that we can do that can actually change the course of your life in a positive way. And again, as I say, health isn't promised to us. It isn't something that we just give as a gift, right? It is something that you do every day to make sure you're eating right, you're getting the activity that you need, you're taking your medicine if you need to, etc. And what you said at the beginning of the uh, of the talk today is really true, that a large part of strokes can be prevented. If you took care of your blood pressure, a lot of people wouldn't have strokes at all. If we took care of the diabetes, if we took care of eliminating the smoking, etc. So all these things that chip away at the brain and the brain not being happy about it, if we can control that, if we can do something about it, we can reduce the risk of stroke across the board, not just in the African-American community, but all communities. And so that's really the take home message. You say, and in, in, in all, everything I read, doctor, we have the power to end stroke. And you just named a number of things that we can do. It's almost as if we need a checkoff list uh, yeah. because we do talk about hypertension a lot here. Uh, we talk about, you know, knowing your numbers, uh, you know, uh, you know, get it, check it, you know, and, and all of that <laughs> kind of stuff. Um, but but this is something we need to do for all of these things, in, or whether it's a stroke or or a heart attack or whatever. We need these checkoff lists and to say, you know, what are you doing today? Did you take your medication? Right. Did you check your your blood pressure? Did you get some exercise? It's 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 it has to be a come a daily part of our lifestyle exactly. if we are going to continue to live. 
Right, it's sort of doctor. a mental checkoff list, right? Yeah. And you have that every day. And again, it's important to partner with your doctor because he or she will be able to tell you, these are your personal risk factors. We're talking about what are risk factors in general, mm-hmm. but you want to know what your individual risk factors are in order to modify them appropriately and really reduce not only your risk of stroke, but heart disease and other things. I want to ask you this, Dr. Brockton, does stress come into play when having a stroke? Because you hear people mm-hmm. who get stressed out all the time say, you're going to make me have a stroke. <laughs> is that, our, is, is that, that. An actual possibility? Well, that's an interesting question, but this is the thing. If that were true after this whole COVID thing, we'd all be going in and having strokes okay. every other day, right? So we've all been really stressed out. So stress is indirectly responsible. But what that I mean is that obviously stress, long periods of stress increases blood pressure, heart rate, things like that. So it's not just you have a fight with your boss and then the next day you have a stroke. We're talking about constant stress and constant changes in blood pressure. So it's not a one-to-one relationship. But it certainly obviously influences a lot of the conditions that we know uh, that ultimately influence stroke. So if we could take stress away from everybody's life, that would be great. But I think it's really more of how you deal with stress, right? Nobody's going to have a stress-free life. But how do you respond to stress? And how do you also make time for yourself so that you unplug, right? Everything is not an emergency of everybody's life. We don't have to have our phone attached to our hip. 24 hours a day, sort of some of the things that are stressors for you try to reduce or minimize along the way, because that will then influence your health. So it's an indirect link, but certainly an important one. There's some physical things that you talked that we that we need to do in order to prevent strokes or, or to, uh, to lessen our chances. Um, but what about the psychological? Do you do you do you find that um, therapy helps? And, and having a counselor or a, a therapist to talk that could help you with this too? Yeah, I think it's important because as I say, stroke as a diagnosis can be scary, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, what I like people to do with their doctors is actually look at the pictures of the brain so that they have an idea mm. of what really happened so that mm-hmm. visually they can understand what happened so they don't think, oh my God, my whole brain is gone. It's an area. And then you get to understand what that looks like. But the other thing is, what we don't talk about what happens after stroke, people can certainly have physical manifestations, but yes, people can go through depression, not because they're saying, oh my God, I had a stroke, because that part of the brain has been injured. And we know that depression has a uh, metabolic sort of uh, underpinning, right? So really there can be a change in chemistry for a period of time where people don't necessarily get clinical depressions, but they can have a little bit of mood swings in terms of their moods, et cetera. So that's important to tell your doctor because that is transient, meaning it won't be forever, but can be treated during that time. The other thing that people don't realize after stroke is that your energy level goes down. And the reason is, is because the brain didn't get enough blood flow. And if you want to say the brain didn't like that, right? So it tells Mm -hmm. the rest of the body, hey, something happened to me. So what people will see is that It's not that they can't do anything, but if they ask themselves to do a lot of different things in a short period of time, they're gonna feel tired, they wanna take a nap, and they slowly have to build up the energy level again, and this is over several weeks. So that's something that isn't talked about after stroke, but should be talked about because it's something that everybody has to some degree. And then the other thing is that sometimes people's emotions can be a little bit uh, up and down after stroke. And the reason is, if you think of the brain as sort of the uh, part of the body that deciphers information coming in and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's the filter, right? It filters out everything. So if you say something to me right now that maybe I don't like, 
there should be something in my brain that keeps me from coming to choke you, <laughs> right? But after a stroke, maybe that filter is not so good. So somebody might say something to me and I say something reflexively back, not so nice, right? That's not my personality, but I'm saying that because that's what happened with the brain. And as time goes on, the filter gets better and better. And so people don't have that same tendency. So there's a lot of things to discuss post-stroke, after-stroke, mm -hmm. that does get better. But people are surprised because they say, oh, is my personality changing? Am I, do I not have patience anymore? What's happening to my energy, et cetera? So these are all important discussions to have with a doctor, with your family. So they realize some of these symptoms are the result of a stroke, are not gonna be permanent, but something that needs to be walked through, talked through, et cetera, so that people don't feel that they're isolated. Because the worst thing after any medical condition is people feel, oh, I'm the only person that this has happened to. Right. And this is only because this of whatever I did. I did alone. this wrong, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And that's awful because there's a lot of support out there. And you can see that other people go through the exact same changes. And you can see over the mountain, right? Over that mm. they've been able to get over that that they've been able to recover and get back to their lives. So it's important to speak up. If you feel that you're having a problem, don't keep it to yourself. There's a lot that can be done before stroke, during a stroke, and certainly after stroke that's wow. uh, important to promote recovery. If Does all this honest, sound familiar to you, Chris? Yeah, like I say, if I'm gonna be honest, then that's what I'm here for. Yes. I mean, as, far, as far as after my stroke, it took me a long time to get my head together again. And I, I didn't have any, physical thing happening with me, but I just, I could not get out of my head that I was insane for several hours, that I was, mm. that I, that I, that I, that I, my fear, I mean, I kept going back being fearful of something that didn't happen. I was fearful that it never went back. I never got it again, I, I, that I spent, was going to spend the rest of my life in basically insane. And that mm. kept that kept me up at night. I couldn't sleep. My wife is I'm having panic attacks, just waking up in the middle of the night crying because I'm like, I couldn't believe what I went through. I mean, and even now, four years later, a lot of what Dr. Brockington has been saying has been triggering to me. Like when mm -hmm. she's talking about the stuff going on inside my head at one point, I actually had a headache talking to you two. It's like my, my, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. Like my my it's like my body was trying to remind me of what it felt like. Mm. So I mean, the whole thing is triggering. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you ever get over it. Well, I think that you know, as time goes on, you understand it, or hopefully understand it better, and then have had the opportunity to figure out why did it happen, so that the risk is reduced, so that it isn't something that it's at the forefront of your mind all the time. Because uh, it's important to realize that we can really substantially reduce the risk of a recurrent stroke, a stroke afterwards. But there has to be testing done. There has to be uh, reevaluations and things like that that are important. So that's why you have to be your own advocate uh, in medicine, right? Mm. So you go to the doctor, and if the doctor says to you, oh, nothing's wrong with you, then you get another doctor, right? Because you know something's wrong with you, knew something's not right. So uh, you need, again, as I say, a partnership so that there can be a two-way street and a discussion, not just about stroke, but other things that uh, might be concerning to people. Well, I I want to uh, thank you, Dr. Brockington, for, for all of your wealth of knowledge and your care of our patient, Chris Paul, and, and talking about this today. Um, just to, just to 
to wrap and, and to kind of regroup and reset here in terms of the things you want to leave with people today. We, we talked about a number of issues, specifically what is a stroke, uh, some of the signs that you look for, uh, the the acronym FAST and, and, and things like that. So um, just as, as we wrap up and, and you want to remind people and, 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 and for Chris and me to take a couple more notes, perhaps, uh, as we wrap up our conversation about stroke and especially as it affects uh, black men and men, uh, at this particular time, we're finding the, the numbers are getting greater. Yeah, I think that the important thing is to remember that stroke is an emergency. So if you think you or someone you know is having a stroke, the important thing is to call 911 immediately because they will then take you to the closest hospital with a stroke center in order to be evaluated promptly and determine whether you are appropriate for some of the treatment we talked about. We can give blood thinners some time to reestablish blood flow. We can go into blood vessels and take clots out, but again, those are all time dependent. So the key is to remember stroke is an emergency and you wanna call 911 right away. And if you go to the hospital and just as he did, and he was sort of in the waiting room, someone has to say, this person's having a stroke because that means time is brain and we start moving right away. The other thing is we were talking about that don't think because you're young that you can't mm -hmm. have a stroke, right? So if you have the symptoms that we're talking about, suddenly you're not moving one side. Suddenly your face is drooping. Suddenly your speech is off or your language is off. Suddenly you're walking as if you're drunk and you didn't have anything to drink. Suddenly you have problems with vision where you can't see very well. If those things are again, suddenly over seconds and minutes, that could be a stroke and you do not want to take a chance that you're not gonna get the appropriate treatment. So you have to call 911. And the third thing is, that as we talked about, prevention is key, right? Preventing anything before it happens is really the goal of uh, all of medicine. And mm. so you need to understand what are your risk factors? If someone's telling you you have high blood pressure, you know right away, high blood pressure, hypertension, number one reason why people have strokes and heart disease. So I'm gonna make sure that I take care of that. I'm gonna get on a diet that's appropriate. I'm gonna make sure that I get uh, regular exercise and activity, and I'm gonna make sure that I take medication if I need it. And I'm gonna partner with my doctor to make sure that that's working. Just because you take a medicine doesn't mean magically it works, right? So those things need to have to be checked later on. Uh, so prevention is key, and to understand that there are a lot of things we do to prevent strokes and heart disease. But uh, again, partnering with your doctor, understanding what those things are for you, specifically your individual risk factors are the most important things. And then, you know, we don't have time to talk about everything but stroke, but you mentioned the American Stroke Association and stroke.org is the website that people can go to and find out information about what is a stroke, what to do, what are the risk factors, what do I do about diet, healthy diet, exercise, things like that. So all the things you wanted to know about stroke, but were afraid to ask, mm -hmm. you can find at stroke.org. I don't think I want to go to anybody but you, Dr. Rockington. <laughs> I'm going to file everything yeah, yeah. Dr. Brockley said today under things I wish I knew before my stroke. Yeah. I and wish I knew. That's a great conversation to have, Chris, though. Uh, I, I want to thank you, Chris, for, for your openness. For and, sharing. And for, yeah. For, yeah, absolutely. And coming aboard today and being a part of such an important conversation. Uh, how do you want to leave folks, Chris? Uh, what does... Uh, What's the one thing that perhaps you learned today or the one thing that you've learned over the process that you want to leave with people today? Well, first, I've learned how valuable it is to have a doctor that can speak <laughs> <laughs> your language right? clearly to you. <laughs> yeah. 
and make you understand things. And also, I mean, if you are like me, a survivor of a stroke, then you absolutely know that you're blessed. You know that it did not have to be this way, you know? So uh, again, I'm so thankful to my wife and my family who helped me get through this. But now that I know, I, I know what my symptoms are. I know, I know, and hopefully I'm going to share this conversation with as many people as possible because I want them to know this in advance. I don't want them to walk around ignorant like I was thinking strokes happen to people in a nursing home. It happens mm -hmm. to anybody, mm -hmm. anybody. Yeah. Come on, brothers. Yeah, and that's the key. And to understand that I think is maybe the most powerful thing so that people then realize that, okay, there's something that I can do about that and going forward to share it with not only their friends and family. I think that's the most powerful thing, right? We live in a community. Mm -hmm. If we share our information, right, we become richer and stronger. So I think that's uh, that's a take home message. Absolutely. Dr. Brockington, you are, are wonderful. It was, uh, we, we've had some scheduling issues and things uh, to get this together, but it was so well worth the wait. And um, thank you so much. Thanks thank you. I appreciate the invitation. Uh, I hope you'll come back. I really I do. Will, I, I would love to have this conversation again. We want to thank the folks at the American Heart Association, as well as the American Stroke Association. As you heard, stroke.org, heart.org. Those are the websites you can go to for more information. Uh, and, and and if we can just get uh, Dr. Brockington to give us her cell number, I think we'll all be uh, that much <laughs> further ahead. Thank you so much, Chris. We really appreciate it. So glad you're here with us to tell your story, Chris. And Dr. Brockington, thank you for sharing all your wealth of knowledge and, and also giving us something. I, I like to learn something you every day you've given me like for the next three four weeks right. uh, just just today alone so thank you so Good. much i'm glad to hear that thank you i appreciate you dr brockington i appreciate you chris paul thank you all for listening we appreciate you and uh, stay tuned again for another episode from ahas to hahas uh, with sybil wilkes and stephen hill and in this case it was chris paul and dr carolyn brockington thanks so much for listening we'll see you all again be well